squirrel friends. So today I didn't um, do my new normal intro uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, and I probably won't over the next couple of episodes. Uh, part of this honestly is because of the gravity of these um, three cases. They actually really upset me. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's been a very difficult and heavy week for me. Um, I know everybody, it's only Thursday. Um, but I have spent an entire week, um, documenting and, uh, researching these three cases. Um, I know there was a Netflix documentary that just came out, um, but I feel like the story needs to be told uh, as many times as possible so that we can prevent this from ever happening again. Um, I will warn you now, um, the next three episodes are going to be very heavy, uh, very hard to hear. Um, They might make you upset. They might... um, cause hurt feelings. Um, I want to do a trigger warning. This is going to be about child abuse and child death. Um, I was actually requested to just do a story about the tragic events that led to the death of Gabriel Fernandez. Um, But knowing what I do know about the Gabriel Fernandez death, I couldn't just do it on him because he was not the only one. Um, Obviously, there were many more children, um, but we'll get into those statistics later. Um, But these three children, I feel their story needs to be told, not just in California, not just in Los Angeles, but all over the world. Um, so that we can do better for our children. So today, um, I'm going to start with the story about a little boy who was not protected by the system when he needed it the most. Eight-year-old Gabriel Fernandez died on May 24th, 2013, just two days after he was severely beaten. Paramedics found Gabriel naked, not breathing, with a cracked skull, three broken ribs, and BB pellets embedded into his groin. Now before I go any further with this, let's look at the beginning to better understand how wrong this whole case went. So Gabriel Fernandez was born on February 20th, 2005 to Pearl Fernandez and Arnold Contreras. Later that year, Gabriel was given to his grandparents. Between 2003 and 2012, over 60 complaints were filed against Pearl Fernandez and her boyfriend, Izaro Aguirre. They were invested eight different times by the LACPS and Department of Child and Family Services, but the agencies all claimed that the complaints were unfounded. In 2003, Pearl was investigated by county social workers for neglect after she and her oldest son were in a car accident and the boy suffered a head injury due to wearing no seatbelt. 
In 2007, Pearl was investigated again after she refused to feed one of her daughters and break her jaw if she cried. October 2012, after spending years with his grandparents and his uncles, Gabriel was returned to his mother, despite the fact that his grandparents said that the DCFS employees were being negligent and sending him to a home that he did not need to be in. Before Gabriel was returned to Pearl, Pearl had also spent two weeks in a Texas jail for using a weapon in a reckless manner. Shortly after Gabriel returned to his mother's custody, his teacher, Mrs. Jennifer Garcia, started calling social workers and the CPS hotline due to Gabriel's face and hands being bruised. One particular incident where she called, Gabriel stated he was beaten with a belt. Garcia reported that Gabriel would ask questions like, is it normal for moms to hit their kids? And if it is normal to bleed after being hit with a belt? And was it normal to be hit with the metal part of the belt? According to records, no medical follow-up was done each time Miss Garcia called DCFS. Over the next several months, Miss Garcia called social workers because Gabriel had scratches, a swollen face, a busted lip, and small, round bruises. Gabriel stated he was punched and shot in the face with a BB gun. He also had patches of hair missing and scabs on his head. On March 26th, Gabriel's therapist filed a report after Gabriel stated he was forced to perform oral sex on a relative. Other abuse during the six months that Gabriel was with his mother include being forced to eat cat litter and cat feces, forced to eat his own vomit, regularly beaten to the point where bones were broken, he had burns all over his body, he was shot with a BB gun, forced to wear female clothing, forced to sleep bound and gagged in a small cupboard, pepper sprayed in the face, burned with cigarettes, given cold baths, and forced to eat spoiled or expired food. Now, according to Gabriel's siblings, Ezekiel and Virginia, when Gabriel was being beaten or tortured, tortured, his mother and stepfather would laugh. Aguirre reportedly beat Gabriel because he thought he could beat the gay out of him. On May 22nd, 2013, Pearl called 911 to report that Gabriel was not breathing. While on the phone, Aguirre was instructed to perform CPR. However, when paramedics arrived, no one was performing CPR to Gabriel. According to records, Gabriel was beaten to death for not cleaning up his toys after playing with his sister, Virginia. When responders arrived, Gabriel was naked, BB gun pellets embedded in his groin, three broken ribs, and a depression fracture on his skull. Aguirre was reported telling paramedics that Gabriel was gay without being asked. Gabriel was rushed to the Children's Hospital in Los Angeles, where he was eventually diagnosed as brain dead. 
and two days later, his grandmother Sandra decided to pull the plug and he passed away. According to the autopsy report, Gabriel Fernandez died from blunt force trauma that coincided with negligence and malnutrition. At the time of his death, Gabriel was four foot one and weighed 56 pounds. Now, according to teachers and relatives, Gabriel was a sweet child who liked to be helpful, enjoyed going to school, and often sought the love of his family. On May 23rd, 2013, Pearl and Asaro were charged and arrested with first-degree murder with special circumstances of torture. On June 2nd, 2014, Pearl and Osario go to court. They ended up separating the two cases. August 20 or August 18th, 2014, court testimony in Gabriel's murder case details him details him being beaten with bats, a club which knocked out some of his teeth, BB gun and pepper spray was shot in Gabriel's face and being whipped with the metal part of a belt by Pearl and Asaro over a period of eight months. In November 2017, the murder trial of Azario Aguirre ends. A death sentence was issued, and Azaro Aguirre, um, the abuse was referred to as horrendous and humane and nothing short of evil. After Azario's trial, Pearl pled guilty to avoid the death penalty and received life in prison without the possibility of parole. I I have always been pro death penalty uh, and I feel like in this case that doesn't change. Um, so I'm going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about the people who I think who are just as at fault as Pearl and Azaro. Okay, squirrel friends. So we're going to talk about some of the people that I think are just as guilty of Gabriel's death as um, Pearl and Asaro. Uh, as many of you know, I am a counselor right now um, who is currently in school to be a school counselor. Um, I have been in the mental health field now for about six years. Um And honestly, out of all the things that I have seen and heard about, uh, this is one of the worst ones, things that I've heard. And I think the reason why this case upsets me so much is not just the fact that this poor boy died for no fucking reason whatsoever, but that there were so many hands in this pot and he still died. Uh, And that's what I'm going to talk about now. So the first thing that I want to mention is, you know, during the um, 
Trials of Gabriel Fernandez on Netflix. They talked a lot about DCFS, which is the Department of Child and Family Services, um, and them being largely at fault. But it wasn't just them. Uh, L.A. County sheriffs also had a hand in this. Um, According to my research, L.A. County sheriffs visited the Fernandez home eight times in the time that Gabriel was there and never reported anything. Not once. And that really fucking bothers me. There was even one asshat who had the nerve to say that he believed the mother when she said that he was living in Texas with his grandmother. My issue with each one of these officers is why the fuck didn't you go in the house and check? If this was supposed to be a welfare check, if this was, you were called out because there was suspected domestic violence, why the fuck didn't you go in the house? That's, that's my question. Um, now the four people that we heard about in this case were Stephanie Rodriguez, who was the, uh, emergency, uh, personnel basically means that she was the first person on scene that, you know, like mental health wise, um, her uh, supervisor was Gregory Merritt. Um, and Patricia Clement worked with Family Services. Uh, and her supervisor was Kevin Brom. Now, each one of these people had been charged with one felony count of child abuse and one felony count of falsifying public records. Prosecutors had stated that they, these four people failed to take the appropriate steps to protect Gabriel and then falsified documents related to his case, which I believe 100%, and I will fucking tell you why. So, let's start with... Uh, Kevin. So, Mr. Brom approved general neglect, improper corporal punishment, and that Gabriel was a high risk for abuse. The fuck. Right? Like, how did... What I want to know is Stephanie Rodriguez, I understand that she was new and that this was her first real, like, job as a social worker, you know? And, like... I know that we all have that dream uh, when we first start out on this job where we're like, we're going to change the world and we're going to make it all better and fluffy unicorns and rainbows and, you know, but the reality is, is we're small, right? We're small and there's only so much we can do. However, uh, I feel like Stephanie Rodriguez basically took the word of Pearl Fernandez everything that she said when Gabriel when she said that Gabriel fell off the bunk bed and Gabriel hit his head after he was wrestling with his brother and that Gabriel fell off a dirt bike and Gabriel got shot by some neighbor kids with BB guns. Stephanie believed it all at first hand. She never questioned it. She never did any more research. She just took it at face value. And part of that is DCFS's fault and I'll tell you why. Because when you're first starting out as a counselor, social worker, whatever, you want to believe that people are genuinely good, right? And so you don't want to, especially when you're new on the beat, look a parent in the face and be like, you're fucking lying. 
right? So that's what Stephanie did. She just, okay, yes, of course. Yeah, no problem. And believed fucking everything. Despite Jennifer Garcia calling the police, despite numerous other hotline reports from, uh, there was a security guard at the Department of Social Services that called. Um, and everyone was like, meh, okay. <laughs> there was another girl at the domestic violence uh place over at Department of Social Services who didn't want to get involved because she was afraid of losing her job because uh, her boss wouldn't approve the overtime. Personally, I would have clocked out and been like, okay, what can I do to help you? Or even that five minute phone call to the hotline would have at least been some effort, you know? So anyway, so the case gets kicked to family services, right? Now, Patricia, she states that there was never about uh, abuse. This was always about neglect, right? But unfortunately for us, Patricia's story consistently fucking changes. So first of all, Patricia um, was, Patricia Clement was considered to be very rude, uh, was reported to be rude and unprofessional by her colleagues. Uh, and she was a nun for 10 years. <laughs> so my whole thing is like, if you are a nun and you know how people are supposed to act towards children, like the fuck, right? Um, now here's what gets me. <laughs> she claims that when she saw Gabriel at the trial, at her trial, she says that she never saw any bruises. However, there was an investigation done three years earlier and she stated that she could see a black eye on Gabriel and a BB shot. And she never completed a body chart. Now, what a body chart is, is when you suspect abuse and neglect, you're supposed to fill out a body chart displaying all of the injuries of the child, right? Stephanie Rodriguez only did this once and it was the first call from jennifer garcia regarding gabriel's bruise on his bottom after being whipped with a belt right that was the only one she ever fucking did so there's no documentation on her end showing the progression of the maltreatment um another thing that patricia clement did was she claimed that in the months leading up to Gabriel being killed, he had perfect attendance at school, which again was not true. That closer and closer to the days of his death, he rarely showed up to school. And Jennifer Garcia even testified that when Gabriel would show up, it was like a sigh of relief for her that he was still alive. Um, Patricia also reported that Pearl Fernandez accused Gabriel of being rude to teachers and acting up in school, yet she never followed up with these behaviors with his teacher, Mrs. Garcia. So again, this is another worker taking the complete word of a woman who has had dozens of accusations of neglect and abuse towards her children. Like, why would you not? And this is all DCFS. Like, it'd be one thing if, like, I can, I can, I can try to excuse Patricia not knowing about the DCFS reports because if Patricia is part of Family Services, 
or, you know, family functioning or whatever the fuck. I, I know it was a different department than Stephanie's department. They may very well not share interagency information. Okay. So Patricia might not have known, but Stephanie sure as shit knew that this woman had a record or knew that she could look up where this woman had a record and she didn't. And she just took everything that this asshole said at face value. Um, now Greg Merritt was Patricia's, um, supervisor. And one of the things that he said to me that, that, that really just (sighs) caused a burning, raging fire within me was when he tried to state that the reason my Gabriel fell through the cracks was because they were overwhelmed with cases and that taking children away from a parent is a last resort. Motherfucker. Like, looking at the pictures of Gabriel weeks before his death, looking at the pictures of Gabriel the day that he wound up in Children's Hospital, you can fucking see that something was going on. This was not a child that was being too rough outside. This was not a child that had was living in a rough neighborhood. His mother and his and his stepfather or future stepfather were beating the fuck out of him. And he loved his mother so much that he didn't tell anybody. And when he did tell people, when he did tell Jennifer Garcia, eventually he stopped telling her. And when Jennifer asked him why he was trying to hide the fact that the, of the continued abuse, he said, because every time you call, somebody shows up and I get hurt worse. So he was learning that by telling someone that something was happening to him and nobody fucking doing anything except showing up to the house, he would just get the fuck beat out of him more. So he just stopped. Jennifer Merritt, sorry, Greg Merritt also reports no abuse was ever reported to him by the social worker, and he does not recall taking any steps to verify any information given to him by Patricia. Dude. So he never kept on Stephanie like, if you're still visiting him... Why isn't there an updated body chart? Is there anything new going on with him? Like, as a supervisor, it is your job to stay on top of people, especially when they come in as emergency calls. Um, now, the congresswoman of California, Karen Bass, said that there are always cases where you need, you will need to take the child away. If bad physical abuse is happening, you have to take that child away. So even their congresswoman has common sense. So, so where's the disconnect between the congresswoman and this department? Um, personally, I think it is beyond wrong that they had a job to do and failed. Absolutely fucking failed to do it. Um, so these four, after being charged, um, in July of 2020, an LA County Superior Court judge dismissed all the charges against these four. Um, and I don't think that's right. Um, These four people could have absolutely had a hand 
in stopping the steps that led to Gabriel's death. Um, I really do believe that even if one of them did exactly what they were supposed to do, that Gabriel would still be alive. Uh, and I understand that there are other aspects like, you know, um, I guess there was an emergency housing unit that was meant for children like Gabriel and it was over capacity. Um, I, 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 I feel like everything I've heard in regards to that is just an excuse. Um, I understand that systems get overwhelmed and I understand that caseworkers get overwhelmed, but I am sorry. There were just too many hands in this pot for someone not to have done something. And the worst part about it is, ladies and gentlemen, is there are two other cases just like this one. This, And that's why it's so upsetting for me. It's not just the fact that there's all this evidence that this poor child was just dropped on so many levels, but that he wasn't the only one. There are two other cases here that I have to discuss. And, you know, Anthony Avalos and Noah Cuatro both have some very, very similar stories to Gabriel. And I just, I don't... I don't fucking get it. I don't. And I will say that this this whole research um, has really taken a lot out of me. <laughs> uh, I'm, t- I'm not sleeping very well. I'm very emotional. I'm very upset. Um, e- you know, I-, I consider myself to be a true crime buff. I have read and heard thousands of stories. And I honestly can say that the story of these three boys has upset me the most because I feel like in every aspect of their lives, somebody failed them. And you guys know, after if you've listened to any of my other episodes, that I am a huge advocate of mental health, that I am a huge advocate of um, people needing to step in to save children. And that if people had stepped in when they saw something, that the outcome of the crime could have changed. And to me, nothing is more evil than seeing a fucking crime happen, being able to do something about it, and instead looking away and doing fucking nothing. To me, there's nothing more evil than that. Um, because you could have been the difference between somebody living and somebody dying. So... That's all I have to say today about Gabriel Fernandez. Um, my next episode will be about Anthony. And after that, I will discuss Noah. Um, I don't know about the rest of you, but just talking about this first episode, I want to go hug my kids and I want to cry and I want to scream and I want to yell. So having said that, um, I want to tell you all that I love you and that your voice matters. Take care of yourselves.